0: Welcome back to the Road Trip Playlist podcast. I'm Thomas Darrow and I am your host. I'm super excited about this week's guest. Jarrett Reddick, the lead singer of Bowling for Soup, joins the show. You all know Bowling for Soup. You all love Bowling for Soup. They've been around for 27 years. They've released 19 albums and they've sold over 3 million records in those 27 years. The um, Grammy nominated, the accolades can go on and on for Bowling for Soup. Our conversation was super fun. Jarrett told some really fun stories. I haven't laughed this hard in an interview um, for a while. And so it's really fun to hear stories about like how the iconic theme song of Phineas and Ferb almost didn't happen when Jarrett almost missed the audition, how Bowling for Soup was supposed to be this little side band that Jarrett had while he was taking a break from between college and grad school, and now they're still playing together 27 years later. Um, We talk about how opening up about his mental health has been this surprisingly fulfilling thing in his life, and so much more. It's a really great interview. The interview is the first version of the road trip playlist podcast that we've recorded for video as well and so it's going to be available on youtube with that there were some technical difficulties and a few minor lags in the audio so please bear with me on that it's a great episode and a great interview and get some really good insight on this band that you may have grown up with or that you know all of these songs and they and it plays a special role for for each of us. So I'm really excited about this interview. I'm excited to share it with you. After a brief word from our sponsor, there it is. Um, well, Jared, thank you for joining me. Um, this is this is called the Road Trip Playlist Podcast. So I like to start out by asking you, what's on your road trip playlist? Who do you who are you listening to? Man, I mean the cool thing trip. You know, I I have a
1: I have a pretty large family, my wife and three kids. And so, you know, depending on who's with us, where the kids are concerned, we, we basically <laughs> play a thing called the Spotify game. Oh, okay. And you essentially each take a turn. And the next person picks a song and what we found is that it keeps everybody engaged and off their own phones and <laughs> earbuds in. And so, uh, you know, my go-to stuff is, uh, is probably a little older punk rock or, or Texas country. That kind of- <laughs> I've been listening to uh, a lot of Texas country lately, actually, because I just recorded a country album myself. That'll be out really, that will be out later this year. Yeah. And so uh, I've been listening to a lot of Randy Rogers and I've been, I the last few days I've been going down a Josh Abbott rabbit hole, but okay. Uh, if I'm in- myself, I-, I pretty much just listen to podcasts. Uh, okay. But- But out by the pool or, you know, doing stuff around the house or, you know, when the family's in the car, that's, those are, those are kind of my go-to right now.
0: Perfect. That's the, that's the same for me. It's usually with other people, music, by myself, podcast. What's a, what's a podcast you're listening to?
1: Man, I, so I'm a true crime guy. Always (laughs) have been. This is not new, really. It's, it's the, it's what I, probably the only podcast I listen to, um, I love Big Mad True Crime, and Heather and I, who does the show, have gotten to be friends, and so that's cool, because sometimes I get a few little secrets <laughs> here and there, or at least, you know, it's up. Uh, I love Sword and Scale, and, um, you know, I actually, and the, the, the ones that I really like to drive to are sort of, uh, I sort of look at them almost like I do the TV shows, because they're Dateline puts out a different episode every single day.
0: Yeah. And,
1: and basically, all they've done is taken their TV episodes and put them onto podcasts. And that's what I like to have on in the background whenever I'm just doing stuff oh. around the house anyway. <laughs> and so it's just like Dateline and 2020 episodes. They're so <laughs> easy. And like if you lose your train of thought, which I do a lot while I'm driving, there's always that recap that they're having
0: to do because they're oh, totally. doing
1: the commercials and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I- it's, it's so easy to keep up.
0: I had no idea that they were doing those shows and just re-releasing them. That's cool. Every day you said? Every single day actually, because
1: there's so, there's, you know, 15, 16, 17 years of that stuff. (laughs) So yeah, they literally release one every single day and it's, uh, you know, and it's all those dudes that, you know, and all those guys. And so uh, (laughs) it's, it's, that's again, an easy listen. don't have to worry so much about, you know, whether you forget that it's on and, and the car and the first thing you know that, that, that whatever they hear I, i've made that mistake several times with uh having howard stern on and uh i start the car and the first word they hear that I, i'm gonna have to now explain for the entire car
0: ride <laughs> that's incredible <laughs> um well, that's awesome. Thank you for that. Um, I I wanted to start off by your most recently released song, um, your cover with Hanson for Where's the Love. Yeah. Um, you did this incredible video, Scooby-Doo inspired video. What was it like first, I guess, to kind of voice and have your own self be animated like Scooby-Doo episode? <laughs>
1: Well, I mean, I'm pretty used to the being animated because I voiced Chuck E. Cheese and I was on Phineas and Ferb and, you know, all of that. So I'm pretty used to seeing myself animated. Um, The real story behind that video, honestly, is the guy who did it. Uh, He's a friend of ours that's been doing merch for us since 2007. He lives over in the UK. His name's Dave Pearson. And honestly, man... I just sort of went at him with the idea because I, I just didn't know if I was going to have the budget to be able to pull this off. And I knew mm-hmm. what I wanted and I knew, you know, that I didn't want it overtly complicated and I, I wanted there to be some simplicity to some of it, you know, and and that I wanted to mimic the Scooby-Doo thing. And man, he just took it and did it. It took him a couple of months, uh, but a lot of that, he was just learning it as he was going because he's new <laughs> to animation. And I just everything else he absolutely nails it and uh so i have to give give myself a little bit of the credit for the idea and and you know some of the scripting and things like that but much of it pretty much 97 percent has to go to dave
0: <laughs> that's incredible yeah he did a wonderful job so hearing he's new to animation is a surprise um how did it come to be though how did it come to be with having Hanson in the, in the video with you and doing voicing their own song as well. So,
1: um, I've known Taylor for a long time just because of, uh, songwriting circles and things. Um, and he's always been really gracious because, you know, they're a big band, you know, and, and a lot of my friends, you know, grew up listening to them and, uh, he's always very gracious with, you know, making sure that they get to say hello when I, when they like that. Uh, but he and I have just been friends for a long time, and I, I I'm going to be completely honest. I was uh, I, I I don't really like to ask my friends for things a lot, um, and so Rob came up with the with the idea of covering well because we're doing a bunch of covers anyway, and I said, wouldn't it be cool if we just got them to do the bridge? <laughs> so I texted him, and he said he was up for it, uh, and then. You know, we got busy and COVID happened. We actually started our part of this you know, almost two years ago. Wow. And, you know, life is just such that, you know, I'm not going to beat the guy, you know, up when, you know, and just so I checked in every once in a while, or we would talk about other things and I did his podcast or his, um, on my online stream, you know, we, we're going to beat the guy up. And then one day, man, he just said, Hey, we're going to do it today and they cut the whole song like I had really only expected them to do the bridge but he (laughs) gave me back Hanson doing the rock version of of our song so go in with the producer Linus and go okay well let's use him here me here him there we put Isaac and Zach on the bridge point in there there's twenty. singing because I, I it just sounded so good with their vocals but Rob and I had already done our own and I'm just throw it all in there man it just sounds too <laughs> good um and and here's the thing I <laughs> for the video I will admit I um I decided to take the approach of you know ask forgiveness not ask for permission <laughs> I just did it I just was like, draw them in. The worst thing that could happen was, is they hate it and we have to cut them, you know? And, and yeah. so luckily they, and uh, I don't know how you could not, you know? So uh, yeah. but it, it's, uh, it's, it's definitely one of my
0: favorite covers out of the, you know, 30 or 40 that we've done. Uh, <laughs> That's amazing because that was my but that was my next question. You've done so many incredible covers. I have to tell you a time where I covered your song, the first time I've ever sang publicly, I got roped into I never would have done this at the time. This is fifth grade. And the cute girls in class signed me up to be in their group for this school assembly where a karaoke company came. I don't even know what the theme, why they were there for the assembly or why it turned into a karaoke show, but it was for the fifth graders only. And they signed me up to be in their group. And I had no idea what we were doing. But the song that we performed was 1985. And that's yeah. the first cover thing that I've ever done. I was terrible, but I got to hang with the cute girls in class. So it was fun. <laughs> but you you've done a number of incredible covers. Um, I loved your Kid Cuddy cover. I wanted to ask what's been one of the more fun ones to record and perform? Kid Cuddy was a fun one, uh, you know,
1: I, the one that we did for Already Gone by the Eagles was super cool. Um, you know, I, I kind of go back to one of the original ones we did, uh, did Let's Do It for Johnny. So this is a long time ago, 20 years Nine, we did Summer of 69. And I still think that's one of the better ones that we did, that we've done over the years. You know, when we were doing that record, the, we were trying to decide between two covers to put on there. And uh, it was between that or Bon Jovi, You Gave Love a Bad Name. Uh, and that, but they said, we sounded too much like Bon Jovi. I tend to, uh, when I do karaoke, uh, you know, which I really do like to do, I tend to impersonate. Uh, and so <laughs> I sort of just take on that. And uh, so anyway, Summer 69 ended up being the one and uh, came out real good i mean there's there, all of them have really cool stories i mean the um you know did for two tickets to paradise by eddie money we had done that really didn't do all that much uh you know i think it went straight to dvd and successful you know, for the movie makers but it wasn't you know the biggest movie in the world uh when that when eddie money and i'm pretty sure we covered that song and I could not figure out, figured out, could not find it, could not find it. And I I went to my friend Casey, uh, who owns the studio where we would have recorded it. And he dug and dug and dug for days and he yes. ended up finding it. And he remixed it. We got to put that one out. So it's always cool when when you can, but you also have
0: a cool story attached to it too. Absolutely. Um, and And so, yeah, you have so many covers. You've made a whole album. Bullying Pursuit goes to the movies, included a lot of the covers and things that you've done and things that you've done specifically for TV and movies. I know you love movies. You also have a movie podcast I found in my research. Um, So I wanted to ask, as a lover of movies, what's a movie you stop on every time you see it on the TV? You're flipping channels and you can't help but stop every time.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, excuse me. You know, what's funny about that is, is that I think of the whole flipping channels thing as being one of those things of the past, you know, to where it's like, I don't really know that my eight-year-old will ever know what that means. Like, <laughs> yeah. he just decides what he wants to watch. And he does flip through, you know, Netflix or whatever it is he's into. But, like, it's not like what we used to do where you would, you know, you would actually put it on the channel and you'd have to watch that for a second to realize what it was and then you keep going. <laughs> um but yeah i mean that that's pretty pretty simple question for me uh anything john hughes uh, especially okay. the high school stuff so 16 candles breakfast club uh most quentin tarantino but uh, for sure reservoir dogs and pulp fiction absolutely and then uh the, the original movie arthur the deadly Dudley moore uh the deadly Dudley moore movie Uh, that to me that's the funniest movie ever made and I I can literally sit and quote it my my wife is very special in that she doesn't actually get annoyed when I do that stuff she thinks it's adorable Um, and so uh, you know she'll just sit there and watch that kind of stuff with me and just laugh and you know it's fun too you go and I speak movie quote so you know a lot of the stuff that I just say every day is something that I that you know it's from some movie that i've been watching for 30 years and so still you
0: know oh that's where you got that from yeah i didn't even remember that but. so just find it as you're watching it live oh this is the reference right well that's kind of like it's so funny when i'm doing this research um to find the reference of you and the tiktok viral trend of Oh, we're getting the band back together and that being you from I knew that you were the theme song for Phineas and Ferb, but just that one line being an inserted in TikTok trend, what what's it been like to have during the pandemic your song just came to life and was viral again, as well as the we're getting the band back together?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, those things are just it's just sort of those gifts that keep on giving, right? Like, uh, you know, you always love it. That's I, you know, anytime something, and, and, and I sort of prepare myself, I think, because there's ones that I think of, I'm like, God, how has nobody done high school never ends yet? Like, it seems like that one would be huge. Like, just, <laughs> Somebody needs to figure out how to do that, you know, and you, uh, you kind of can't, it, you, I mean, like you can't really make it happen yourself. Like I couldn't, yeah idea and go hey everybody on the street do this because if it doesn't happen virally it just it won't get that momentum so yeah. uh, it's always fun to watch to be honest i've been terrible at tiktok throughout this covid thing um i need to get on there and actually make it part of my work day each day but uh you know
0: it's uh it's just a lot to keep up with man it's so it's so much and you spend you'll spend what you think is going to be 10 minutes on there and then i just can't stop and so it's so funny that you that you say that and that i was and when i was preparing for this i'm like how has 1985 not been a tiktok trend yet like all these things yeah. i'm like they're gonna have i know it's gonna happen it's just about yeah. when and and who does it and how it's done but um, well, i will say that uh stage, um on tiktok
1: did a two thousand okay, what did he do? 2005 instead of
0: 1985. And he had, it was huge. I
1: think Uh, I remember that. A few of those, those on there. So, you know, it's pretty funny to put it in the context of like a song where I'm basically calling this woman old and now people are doing songs where they're calling the people who listen to that song old. And that's, (laughs) that's, it's really funny. You know, that just, but yeah, that's where we're trying to get anyway
0: amazing um and and being going back to movies and being someone that loves the movies um what what's it been like to be approached to do songs for movies like Jimmy Neutron Max Keeble's Big Move all these songs these were like movies of my childhood and so what what was it like and how how did those come to be
1: um Jimmy Neutron was the first really big one and that one we were pretty lucky because uh we were on Jive Records. Jive had just purchased Nickelodeon Records, um, oh. and so we sort of had had an in, and that ended up being a rewrite. Actually, that the Jimmy Neutron theme, it, uh, and the version was by Man or Astro Man. So, like, if you ever watched the series, the creators of the show went back to that theme. Is me and my take on his song, and then I added, it made it a whole. You know, a whole song that they could play throughout the whole intro, whatever. Um, that kind of started it. And then we just kind of became the go-to band for fighters uh, because we could turn things really quickly. So that's how Freaky Friday happened. And there's the gold record right there, actually. Right?
0: <laughs> Amazing. <Freaky
1: Friday>. Uh, <laughs> that's how Freaky Friday happened. Um, you know, just a guy. We that basically they, they had already tempted in the song at a certain tempo and a certain key. Who can we get to record this and turn it like, you know, now And <laughs> we got to do that. Um, but really it, it's at first it was a lot of fun. Uh, then it became a lot of work because I started trying to get them and you just much in that world that I sort of just backed off and just took the ones that, that came directly to me and, and quite honestly, that Phineas and Ferb, you know, that fell right in my lap because the Dan and Swampy just wanted want they wanted me to do it from the beginning, you know, and um, you know, so but yeah, it's it's definitely one of those things where it's where it's uh, you know, like my parents will, you know, text me or what, did you do a song kids at school are watching this right now, their teachers? <laughs> And um, I'm like, uh, no, that's
0: just somebody that sounds like me. There's a million of them. You You became kind of the blueprint. This is the sound we want. (laughs) That's funny. Um, I read Phineas and Ferb. You thought that you were kind of just going in to meet about it and then ended up auditioning in that same meeting for a role in the show. Yeah, I. I again i almost didn't go actually i was
1: um i was really hung over <laughs> um gone to see steel panther the night before and that night turned into a really late night and i was <laughs> like you know I, I don't think i'm gonna go and i i because again you're t- you're told no so much attached to a television show that's the end of it like you start to do stuff that show might not get picked up so you know it's a, again, it's a lot of work. A lot of not even small return, like no return. Uh, and, and a disappointment too, because you fall in love with the show. I mean, there's a few things that I was writing for at the time that never saw the light of day. And I like think back, like, God, that was such a cool idea. And the and, uh, But no, this one gotten picked up for 13 episodes. And uh, again, I, I did go and, with these guys right immediately and and I think that the the reverse is true I mean we just became fat. um you know I got to watch a few episodes not not finished yet and then you know they took me into the studio and let me audition and I auditioned for actors uh but then I ended up getting uh who was the singer of Love Handle uh you know obviously because I could sing but uh and that's a bigger big some a bigger role than I was auditioning for so uh yeah just you just sort of never know it's one of those things where I you never know who's in the room you never know what you know
0: just you basically just got to keep putting yourself out there I love that I love the story you almost didn't go you were you were a little hungover and you almost didn't go to audition for this this kid show that ends up being this huge thing and you're you're Uh abandoned it and yeah, it's just biggest, funny. biggest cartoon in the world for nine years, uh, <laughs> still on
1: all the time. And I almost didn't go because I was over uh, whereas, you know, there's uh, flown to LA just to go there. I go in, I go through all of this stuff and then never hear anything back again. So, <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, you know. To, the entertainment is a wacky, wacky spot to be
0: in. <laughs> I can't even imagine how many, how many other stories that there are just like that. Um, I, I wanted to ask about something I found fascinating about you is you wanted to be a corporate psychologist. You never really planned. Bowling for Soup was kind of the, <laughs> I'm taking a few years off between college and things. I don't want responsibility. And now here you are 27 years later, what what's that like how did it transform from from this bar band in texas to where you are now and still going
1: well I was very entrep- entrepreneurial as a kid and dating a girl whose dad was the same kind of mindset and who i hit it off with and so uh you know from the age of 17 he and i you know together had a toy store business and above ground swimming pool business and you know all three failed. Um, you know, and, and not right away. I mean, there was, there were triumphs and then there's reasons that each one, you know, didn't, didn't keep going to the next level, but, you know, throughout that time I got two college and three failed companies. And here I was Bowling for Soup had been together, um, uh, you know, a, a couple of years, um, you know, when, when kind of the, all of that was the last couple of those companies were, were halting. And uh, we had kind of just gone from doing doing it on the weekends to have, to, you know, being pretty successful in a few small towns, but also just sort of kind of learning about the business and how things worked and all of this and all just by uh, trial and error. Yeah, that was pretty much the deal was, uh, you know, guys, I think that this figured out and if not, let's try it and have fun for a while, you know, the, responsibility has been something i've had for all this time like i don't want rent i don't want a car payment like i'll just so i sold everything um that i had and i put what was left in a storage, and uh, basically moved in and uh started you know if we didn't have a gig then me and eric would uh play shows at pubs for tips and that actually got to be pretty lucrative it was like it was hard to say no to those and go do bowling pursuit because we were making more playing you know wow. uh we were playing pl- making more playing margarita margaritaville than we were sucker punch over here at this place and um that's the start of it. and then it was just commitment it was okay let's let's go out on tour for four months or six months and uh, and then you come home, you lick your wounds, and you make some money playing in the markets that were big, and then you go do it again. And, um, you know, the rest, as they say, is history. It, it was always an agreement to, hey, if, if it's not fun anymore, we'll stop. And really, there was only one time in the band where that was a thing in 2013. Uh, you know, Eric and I both went through divorces. Uh, you know, there are just a lot of things that were strikes against us or whatever but a, a little break and getting through those trials and we were back and stronger than ever and you know now Eric no longer in the band but Rob is here and that just has been another sort of just catapult for us um and uh sort of just look back on it going holy shit you know it's almost been 30 years uh and and I would say that it went by fast but I guess it really hasn't because it's most of my life you know i mean so uh, pretty much everything that in my adult life that I remember or, or, you know, that wasn't, you know, work related, you know, with those first few companies, uh, it, it's, it, there's some, some sort of a pursuit that, you know, even my kids, you know, it's like the whole band was there the day they were born, you know, it was just, <laughs> it was crazy, you know, how that works.
0: Yeah. That's incredible. What's that? Yeah. What's that friendship? Cause I've never been to a live show of, of yours unfur- unfortunately, but I hear that they're the most incredible things. And when I watched interviews um, with you and you were talking about just cracking jokes and having fun with your friends on stage, what, what's it like having performed and, and done so much together for so many years?
1: Um, you know, the good thing is, and the, and to me, this, this is a thing that some bands say, and this is a band that uh, this is something that our band means. Uh best of friends. I mean, we talk all day via, te- I mean, we're literally the, the four of us are just texting all day. <laughs> and then we have another thread, which is us and like present and former crew guys. And that one goes all day, every day, we're family, but we're closer than family because we set out to do something and we accomplished it together and we put our egos aside. We made bowling for soup a sum of its parts and not just, Hey, you know, this you know i'm on the cover of this so i'm more important or i wrote this i'm more you know what i mean none of that none of that was ever a factor um you know you know you know when you're getting on somebody's nerves and a friend and and figure that out um but yeah there it was a commitment to one another and a commitment to the band and Uh, you know, again, on stage though, what you get is that's exactly like being in the dressing room, only we're more energetic. Like in the dressing room, we're just everybody's bored and it's just fart jokes and with you know, just being stupid. And then we come out on stage, we're we've got a little bit of adrenaline, exactly the same. So I, I think um one thing that us would say is that what you see is for sure what you get. We are uh we, we don't, uh, it, we're just normal dudes who happen to have written some good songs and had some good, some good things happen
0: along the way. <laughs> Absolutely. And during, during the time off that you said, um, a lot of people thought that you had broke up, but that was not the truth. What was it like even having them as friends along that? Like you weren't together as much as you were, but how did they help you through kind of those, those times where it was like, we just need a break, but we're still as close as ever. Yeah,
1: we all had to sort of adjust to that as best we could, I mean, you know, to Chris, the hardest part of it was, you know, just the band. This is all he has. This is his life, um, you know, going through a whole thing and a divorce and I was going through my whole thing and a divorce and a custody battle and moving and, you know, um, it's a lot. And uh, And of course, Gary was just having young kids at the time. Uh, and, and really starting his adult life. So, you know, I guess, the, I guess, the, you know, it, it, just knowing that they were there and that, that there was support there and talk about it and, and kind of there was this unknown, like, is this the end, you know, um, there was still support there. of Like, yeah, man, but that's cool, dude, because we could, you know, maybe we could start doing some online shows or this. Maybe there's a way to just keep it going. And um, so, yeah, I, you know, again, it's family and uh, I knew that they were there for me and I knew that they, they knew that, you know, for uh, needing to have that little break and, uh, and just, and sort of unknown. I mean, we caught a lot of shit for it because we did what we call the farewell tour in the UK, Uh, not goodbye, but farewell. And we were basically saying, hey, we're, we're going to be gone. A couple of years later, we started back up. And, uh, you know, of course, everybody took that as, okay, that was a money grab. And, and that was tough because if, if you did go back and look at what was going on, there really was no direction for us or whether we would stay together or not but you kind of can't please everybody all the time. And so you kind of had to just sort of take that on the chin and expect it a little bit. Um, but you know what, again, we made it through it's, it's 2021 and, and here we've come out of another year where we didn't get to see each other or whatever we managed to make the best of it. And we hung out online and we let fans join, you know, uh, every couple of weeks and, um,
0: You know, it's, you know, just a lot of love, a lot of love in this organization. Absolutely. I feel like no band was prepared more for the pandemic and performing than you. A lot of, I joke about artists starting out, like you go those first few weeks of March and April, and it was just awkward live show on Instagram live, Instagram live from, from artists figuring it out. And you had already been doing online shows years before the pandemic even hit so you guys were prepared to really hit the ground running and be this comfort band for a lot of people um what was that like yeah i had
1: been doing this since 2009 uh when stage it first started i was already (laughs) doing these online shows and so yeah definitely was not prepared it to be as successful as it was because quite frankly you know several years ago I kind of dwindled down because I, it was just really hard to convert people to watching shows on the internet. And it's still not easy. It's, yeah. it you know, I am constantly surprised by, you know, when we do one as, as Bowling for Soup, like you would just think, okay, well we've got a of records and in, in this many towns, we draw this many people or whatever you'd think, well, if we get a couple from each town and it just isn't like that, it's just very, it's, you know, I don't know. Uh, there's that, that, and I'm going to be honest, I didn't watch one either. I, I, you know, I, I, I'm the same way, I, I guess. And that, you know, you, there, a lot of bands did it great, but it, there's still nothing, you know, watching it in person. Yeah. Um, so I, I was very thankful that everybody did, did watch, but my solo shows on the other hand uh, pretty much all sold out and um, I managed to 75 grand for various charities Wow amazing. over the course of, of a year I did almost a hundred shows and uh, so you know I, I definitely um, you know I, positives and negatives some people didn't have any positives and and I that's terrible and I hate it yeah but I tried to just make the positives outweigh the negatives
0: as best as I could yeah and 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 it was a big thing for it helped a lot of people like some of the concerts that I watched I did watch them and it was like this nice night of that it was like okay this feels a little normal even though it's in my living room just nice to have that and it's getting people through a hard time and one of the things that I've loved preparing for this and reading YouTube comments is Bowling for Soup is one of those bands that's helped people through some of the harder times in their life uh, mental health wise and it's just because you guys I I heard in an interview he said all the songs that we write we just want people to have fun with we want to make people happy. What does that mean to you to be able to bring people through and and having with all your years brought them through some of the hardest times of their life? At first it was tough. I mean, at first it was just something where you don't really know what to say. Somebody's like,
1: "Hey, you saved my life," or "Hey, you helped me through this," or, you know, the the I don't want to, that by like acting like I'm running through some list because every time somebody says something to me like that. It's very important a lot of times it, it, to me uh, and to the guys I take all of that very very seriously um, once I really started to understand it to understand you know what it was and it's not because at first you're like okay well we write fart joke songs or we write songs about girls how am I helping you through this time and you it doesn't make any sense you know because you <laughs> think that, that you think oh it's got to have this meaning or this 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 thing and we do have songs like that. But for the most part, you know, you sort of listen to us to have a good time or or when you've had a bad day thing or whatever. Uh, but then it all just one, you know, it just started to click and it made sense. And I started to think about like what music, what meant to me and what, you know, certain bands and, and whether or not it was a song that directly correlated with something I was going through or not, uh, just how there there was some comfort in that. And so once I began to understand it, it was easier for me to react to it in such a way to where I could, you know, say thank you and, and, you know, basically breathe positivity into, um, so yeah, I mean, health it's not something that I experienced in, uh, as far as like anxiety and depression until that year of, of, uh, around 2013, when, you know, my life was pretty down. Um, And, uh, you know, this is another part of this story. I was like, hey, I don't want to make this a cause. I'm putting my story out there on this one website. And let's just tell people that's my stance on it. You don't have to ask me about it. And then I found just the reaction to that uh, being so overwhelmingly positive uh, as far as, you know, me putting it out there. Because at first I thought... uh, joke guy oh he's sad you know blah 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 oh I'm so sorry you've sold three million records you know blah, blah, blah. you know th- that's what I thought I was gonna get yeah um it's not uh very few people um reacted to me that way uh there were definitely a few but quite frankly the masses were like dude thank you for speaking out like this is how I feel you know grown ass men messaging me on Facebook dude i you know, I've been a mechanic for 30 years and I, I, I've heard do. And, you know, so being able to put it out into the world that like, Hey, you're not by yourself and there's help out there. And, um, you know, counseling is awesome and talk to your doctor and, you know, all of these things that I've been able to put into people's heads and get people to go out and get help for themselves. Uh, that's been a different sort of reward for me, uh, than, than I set out to do here. Um, so, um then you know so now i'm really involved with punk rock saves lives and uh and foundation 14 here in dallas and places as i can go and share my story experiences and what i still go through each and every day um to to just maintain it all um and so yeah i, I i'm glad that that we play that role for for some people if it were one person it would be
0: it's just it's it's not, it's thousands and, uh, it's, oh, yeah. it, it means a lot. Absolutely. And thank you so much again for, for sharing your story and, and what you thought, and especially with the reaction you thought it would be and, mm-hmm. and what it is. Cause I think it's such an important role to play is, is someone that's sold 3 million records can still feel, um, these, these hard emotions. And so I appreciate it. And all the work that, that you've continued to do, um, for, for mental health, um, I I you're you have some tour dates coming up. Yes. I wanted to ask how you would describe a bowling for soup live show.
1: Um, it's basically like a it's it's a fun rock and roll concert with some stand-up comedy thrown in. <laughs> there's a lot of unexpected stuff that happens. Some of it's planned, some of it's not anything. So just ad lib, and there's a lot, it's just basically going over to your best friend's house a bunch of people that are like-minded and you're there and and, you know it's just an awesome night and uh you never see the same show so uh you know i do uh i do i do recommend that if you've if you've seen us before come see us again if you've never seen us because that's uh that's pretty much how it goes
0: Absolutely. I know there's some dates in Texas and you're going to the UK and you can get tickets at bowlingforsoup.com. Um I wanted to ask the where the you you've incorporated stand-up and improv. Was that always there, like the early bowling for soup days? Was there, were you able to kind of have comedic freedom or was it all about the songs then? Uh there was always a looseness to our show. Quite frankly, it was lack of
1: preparation. So we would show up, and we nobody would make a set list. Well, then somebody would just throw down the gauntlet, and be like, if "You're not going to do it. I'm not going to do it." So we just showed up. And we never had a set list. That's the truth. I've worn that as a badge for almost 30 years. That, like, oh, we never use a set list. That all stems from laziness and just a lack of of, uh, of preparation back in the early days. But then we would do these shows of places back in the day where. You could go in, it was like a restaurant by day, a bar at night, and you'd do like three sets. And so we would, what we did was we would start doing cover songs sort of like we do now to where we make them sound more like Bowling for Soup. We do like an Elvis and a Beach Boys song and then Pictures He Drew and then a Ramones song. But like we do like the Ramones classics and things like that. We do the Beatles and things like that. But it's hard to fill four hours, you know, uh, (laughs) on the weekends you're going out and, you know, playing 30 minutes. So to fill time, we just started doing stupid shit. Like we, we started really dumb magic tricks. We, we, We literally, uh, bought a, bought a joke book (laughs) <laughs> I, started, uh, I started stealing jokes from Jackie Martling because he took like a one-liner comic that it was on Howard Stern forever. And so we would just do, th- and it's so funny because we brought that bit back to the Bollinger <laughs> Soup show. Now we do a thing called the Comedy Jam and each of us tells a joke to vote on, uh, on which one they liked the best. So, but that's honestly how it was. It was, it was to fill time. It was literally just to, you know, just to, I learned really quickly. Um, and I don't think this is rocket science, but I think a lot of people don't care, you know, in that world. Like, I think there's a lot of acts that that do that particular work. They're like, I'm going to take, take my break and I'm going to do this, this, and this. I, I got to the point where I didn't like to take breaks because you do, it gives people a chance to pay their tab and leave, right? Yeah. And so I'm like, Let's just figure out a way to keep going, right? So if I've got to pee, then you guys do all along the watchtower or something for like ten <laughs> minutes, and I'll go pee, slam a beer, come back up here, and then if you need to pee, then me and Chris will do jokes or whatever, you know. And, um, we or we never left the stage, and mm-hmm. um, so you know, and and that shows too. Some people are like out a half hours,
0: and I'm like, uh, you know, just don't break the seal. that's amazing well you can expect me there in september at atlantic city Um, uh, but by you announced a uk tour you're going to the uk i know you're a big manchester united fan i was wondering if you're going to take in a game while you're there
1: Uh, i don't think i will be able to this time i have before i'm going and, and there is nothing like seeing in person uh, you know, I would, I hope that I could do it again someday. The last time we were there, or I don't know if it was the last time, is either the last time or the time before we actually got to go tour the facility and go in the locker rooms. We got to stand on the pitch and sit where the players sit and all of that and sit where the coaches sit. So, uh, that was a, that was a unique experience that not a lot of people get to <laughs> get. Uh, again, I'm, I'm very thankful in my life for those kinds
0: of understand our know of of us just doing what we do (laughs) well well what's been what's been one of the most incredible places that you've been because of Bowling for Soup you're the voice of Chuck E. Cheese you've been in cartoons you've been in movies like what's been one of the weird most insane places Bowling for Soup's taken you well you know we do we did a lot of stuff with the
1: Navy for years and so we got to we got to tour some places in Asia and Africa that like a lot of, a lot of the places we couldn't actually tell people where we were going until we had been there. Um, And one of those island in the middle of the Indian ocean called Diego Garcia. Wow. It's the, it was the crazy experience and so much fun and awesome. It's just this Island and there's, I think 200 sailors there and it's British owned. So there's 40, I think there's 20, uh british naval people that are there to sort of run the island and then it's operators you know, that had left the philippines um you know to to get to to get away from whatever was going on there and it's just a place and it's a super strategic base we didn't get to see any of that stuff we were on the side where everybody lives but go for them hang out went to the the british pub there <laughs> it was freaking crazy. Did some deep sea fishing and uh, just, you know, had, a, had a, as a place where, you know, not even people in the Navy get
0: to go. So we're, uh, you know, we, we in that regard for sure. <laughs> that's incredible. Um well Jared, I really appreciate your time. I like to wrap up with the same five questions in at the end of every interview. Um and and they're they range from silly to di- different things, but the first being uh if you had to choose between breakfast food, lunch food or dinner food, only food from those meal groups for every meal, which would you choose? Breakfast, lunch or dinner? I would choose breakfast burritos. Breakfast burrito. burritos. Okay, that's a good one. Um Number two is your go-to karaoke song. I know you said you love karaoke. You yeah. like to impersonate. What's your go-to? I believe in a thing called love by the darkness. <laughs> I would love to hear that. That's amazing. <laughs> um, number three is a guilty pleasure you have while on tour. Uh, guilty
1: of while on tour. Um, well, I mean, I, I try to drinks but uh when i'm on tour i do drink a uh, drink diet i drink a few diet cokes every single day and that's it i do feel guilty about it i know i'm not supposed to drink sodas but uh i, uh, I do enjoy it and it, it you know i don't like i
0: don't really drink so it's sort of my coffee for the day and, yeah. <laughs> and there you go um number four is the worst job you've ever had
1: uh shoveling horse manure was uh was the worst and I I uh washing pots is pretty close Lucky, you know I, I I know that this is a long-winded answer for your quick question but I uh you know when I was 16 I got in a car wreck and I had to pay for all the repairs on my car wow. and uh so I got in dishes and pots and pans at a cafeteria and then on the weekends I shoveled shit and that's the reason I started the toy store, you know, when I was still a kid, because I was like, I don't ever want to have another job. I don't want to work for anybody ever yeah. again. I
0: never did. <laughs> wow. That's <laughs> incredible. Um, <clears throat> number five is an interesting guest that you recommend I have on the road trip playlist podcast.
1: Oh man. Oh gosh. There's so many, uh, you know, who would be fun for you to have on the show. MC Lars. That would be okay.
0: Wonderful. Guest.
1: Yeah. You on here, he'd be uh, he would be a fun one to, to do, and he's he's uh, he's a very interesting because he's a college professor at Stanford and he's a freaking genius. But he's a you know, he created laptop rap,
0: and uh, you know, he's uh, he's a fun guy and a new dad as well. So, oh, wonderful, that's awesome. Um, I wanted to plug also your podcast. You have the Rockstar Dads podcast, you have Jared Goes to the Movies. Um, as well as all your new music that that's recently come out to, to stream as well. Um, and I hear there's a new country album you mentioned, and did you do a destination album in the Poconos I heard somewhere? Yeah. So a lot of new music in the fall, um, you know, the best place to, to, to go
1: Jarrett Reddick got links to all of my bands, all of my podcasts. It's got, uh, you can go see commercials that I voice, not just Chuck E. Cheese. Um, you, it's toys and and different things as well. So anything and all things that I'm doing jarrettreddick.com or follow me at j a r e t two one one three everywhere and uh, but and then bowling obviously for uh,
0: tickets and uh, and stuff to what's coming up. Awesome, wonderful. Thank you so much for your time. I'm looking forward to seeing you in Atlantic City. Thanks, man. Okay, have a good one. You too. Hey guys, thank you again for listening to the Road Trip Playlist podcast. I hope you enjoyed my interview with Jarrett Reddick of Bowling for Soup. Um, Make sure you go to their website, check out their tour dates, stream their new song, do all of that. And thank you again for listening and spending this time. Let me know what you thought of it. Um, Head to any of our social media. They're in the description of the podcast. And you can find them anywhere. And I'd love to hear what you thought. Leave it in the review. Um, Just let me know what you thought of the episode, who you would like to hear me interview as well, um, and subscribe, rate, and review as always. And thank you again so much for listening and stay tuned for more great episodes.